Legend has it that it was written by the Dark Ones. Necronomicon Ex Mortis. Roughly translated, Book of the Dead. The book served as a passageway to the evil worlds beyond. Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Review, the show where every week we pick something that we have a certain nostalgia for, we then revisit it and review it to find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose tinted glasses. I'm your host, Connor O'Keen, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Michael Jobaz. Michael, how are you doing? This movie is a Connor movie. I watched this movie and this I'm is like, a, a Connor this movie? Is, this is his this is his brain. This is his mind. <laughs> I, I I will take that as a, a, a an immense compliment, my friend. <laughs> the movie, of course, is Evil Dead Two. Evil Dead Two, Dead by Dawn, known in in publicity materials as Evil Dead Two, Dead by Dawn, nineteen eighty seven American comedy horror film directed by Sam Raimi, a sequel to his nineteen eighty one film The Evil Dead, um, written by Raimi and Scott Spiegel. Produced by Rob Tappet, stars Bruce Campbell as Ash Williams, reprising his role from the first film, who vacations with his girlfriend to a remote cabin in the woods. He discovers an audio tape of recitations from an ancient book of texts. When the recording is played, it unleashes a number of demons which possess and torment him. Sound familiar? It should, because that is also the plot of the first film. Yes, yes, basically. It's 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 kind of a like a, a requel. Yeah, like it's it's almost a, a remake, uh, but but also serves as a as a retelling of the events of the first film and and a, a sequel to that film. So initially, The Evil Dead was released and to really wide critical and commercial success, quite miraculously so, given the shoestring budget and I mean, like it, it's it's an independent film largely like it's it's just a bunch of friends making a fucking gnarly horror movie in a cabin in the woods so there was no intent to make a sequel initially in 1985 Ramey Tappet and Campbell put out a movie called Crime Wave that was a critical and commercial failure which they'd really banked on their publicist Irvin Shapiro insisted that a sequel to Evil Dead might be a, a good idea on the back of that and they were like yeah all right let's do it so I would have come into this film, I would have discovered this film probably when I was about 14, and I saw this before I saw the original. Okay. Um and I I loved it. Uh, it was it was the first it's it's one of the first horror movies I remember watching that I was this was kind of my introduction to horror films. Like I was quite scared of of horror movies. Um, as a as a like a young kid, and then in my teenage years, I, but I was I was fascinated by the artwork, and I would love looking like when I would go to video stores and stuff, I would look at the the VHS tapes and just look at the the artwork and the the uh, images on the back. Like I remember looking at the Fright Night VHS, and the I think is there a Fright Night two? I I, I can't remember. I'm not sure. I've, I I only know that there's a remake. Yeah, right. Looking at the the artwork on the front and the the images of the gore on the back always like fascinated and, and scared the shit out of me. And I remember seeing Evil Dead two and Evil Dead like the the cases of these movies on the shelves at the video store and being scared of it by as a kid. And then years later, uh, the blockbuster that I would go to had a copy of Evil Dead two, but not the first one. But I thought this, this I'll give this a go. This is this this could be fun. Maybe it's it's aged enough that it won't be scary. And it made me jump. It scared the piss out of me. But it also made me laugh the way that old, like, Looney Tunes cartoons and my, my favourite, like, goofy shit 
the 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 stuff that kind of formed my a lot a large part of my comedic sensibilities did as a kid. So it kind of just thrilled and, and entertained me so thoroughly that it it um it stuck with me and became one of my favorite films. And then I went back and watched the first one, which is a much more straight up horror movie. Like there's you read reviews at the time and people mention like, oh, that's very tongue in cheek, but it wasn't intentionally so. It was it was more of a it was more a, a restriction or a, a case of them not having the budget or the there's a, a book by Bill Warren called The Evil Dead Companion, which I just so happen to have a copy of. And in it they, they talk about the reception of of the first movie uh, and how people at the time were saying like, ah, oh, they're, they're that one one quote is um, uh, Campbell says uh, we played it absolutely like we felt it should be played. Our young sensibilities just wound up being overly dramatic about everything and became ridiculous. Everyone says, "Oh, they've got their tongues firmly planted in their cheeks." No, it was just in- inexperienced actors. So, like, it was kind of unintentionally hilarious. Yeah, I was just going to say Looney Tunes, a hundred percent. I agree. It is just straight horror meets Looney Tunes, which are. Mm-hmm. Two things that you have talked about already lots on this podcast that you love. So this is like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is Connor Bingo. <laughs> wow. If we made a little bingo a bingo sheet of all of these things that Connor likes, <laughs> we would get a bingo with this movie. You're like, funny man fall down, check. <laughs> big big blood all the time, check. Um, Corpse doing so- stop motion animation dance, check. <laughs> Check. <laughs> so you hadn't seen this movie prior to, to this. So tell me about it, Stud. What'd you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Evil Dead is a weird franchise for me because mm-hmm. I I'm a I'm a movie purist. I don't start with sequels. I start with the first one. Sure. And then I will go on to explain that I saw Army of Darkness before <laughs> Evil Dead Two, <laughs> which I did not realize was essentially Evil Dead Three. Uh huh. I was just like. I, I watched Evil Dead. I didn't really like it. Yeah, just that that over the top, unintentional tongue in cheek stuff. It just like it really turned me off. And I was like, oh, no, no thanks. I don't want to see a lady get yeah, raped right. by a tree, blood gushing out of decapitated necks onto Bruce Campbell's face. <laughs> just, just didn't do anything for me. Yeah, right. Okay. I was like, yeah, no thanks. I'll pass. Um, and then many a year later, I don't know when I saw Evil Dead. Maybe I was like like 18s to early 20s and then just like last year, so maybe 10-year gap, I was like, I heard a lot about this Army of Darkness stuff. I heard that's good. It looks campy and silly. I'll give that a mm-hmm. go. And then, yeah, like that, yeah, as you f- discover from the intro of that movie that it is, oh, it's just a straight-up sequel to Evil Dead 2. But I enjoyed Army of Darkness because that mm-hmm. follows the trend of Evil Dead 2, which is the like the horror comedy, like, very goofy, yeah. very much so. Like there are gags as well as if mm. jump scares are like the jokes of horror and then then there are regular jokes that are comedy jokes with punchline, yeah. regular punchlines that aren't jump scares. Yeah. I'm always hesitant to call it or, or, or when, when someone says it's a horror comedy, I always uh, feel the need to like clarify that or qualify that. Is it because, because you I feel, feel like horror like comedy, well, horror, horror comedy, you equate that to like scary, scary movie and yeah. yeah, stuff like that, which is a, a comedy movie that's lampooning horror or it's a spoof comedy. Like there's nothing spoofy about this. This is, this, no, but you uh, see, that's where there's I would a, a, go a and love say, of horror. And, and what I would say is that scary movie isn't really a horror mm-hmm. comedy, just straight up parody films. 
And sure. the film okay. they are parodying is a horror film. But hmm. the movie itself, like, they're not really horrors. Um, yeah, yeah. And, like, parody movies have a bad rap because of the scary movie and then scary movie, epic movie, date movie, f- yeah. fucking everything. To the point where they were, par- like, epic movie is parodying a bunch of movies that weren't released yet. So they were parodying the stuff that they saw in the trailers. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they, they became very uh, egregious. Absolutely. But you have good... C- Good parody films like uh, Airplane or Flying High, as it was called mm-hmm. in Australia, um, and Naked yeah. Gun and all of those movies that um, mm. parody those genre of film, and those are funny. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's well, why I, I don't have does... the negative connotation of yeah, yeah. the term horror comedy. I just was watching yeah, the movie sure. and straight up I'm like, this is still 100% a horror because there's like actual scary moments and really gross, disgusting stuff in it. But then there are yeah. there are 100% just Looney Tunes gags. Yeah, absolutely. I felt like like Three Stooges gags. Yeah. Another movie that we both uh, like that I think, well, I mean, definitely borrows from The Evil Dead uh, is Shaun of the Dead. And yes. I feel like both of them do, like, have comedy elements. They're, they're horror comedies, but with a respect for the genre and a genuine, like, love of the genre at, at its core. It's not, like, taking the piss you know, yeah, hundred percent. Like Shaun of the Dead is very, um, uh, it, it, you can tell it really loves like the George Romero, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, that trilogy. Mm. It kind of takes the piss of the genre a little bit, but in a respectful way, in a way that you can see that they have love for the source material. They're not just shitting yeah. on it like epic movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess the way we've this is a this is a weird movie to approach. Like when when writing notes, when rewatching this movie, I was kind of overcome. Like I was watching it initially. I was just watching it as a punter, and then I rewatched it kind of with this podcast in mind. And all of the other movies that we've done on this podcast, we've been able to like I don't know. There, there's been a focus on on story and like themes and <laughs> character arcs and stuff. And this kind of has none of that. Yeah. R- realistically. Yeah, no, not really. Like you could you could read into it, but like I, I don't think I would even bother. No, I wouldn't bother either. I feel like trying to read into it would be like um, reading into the tongue-in-cheek stuff of the first movie where they'd be like, oh, but this means this, and then the filmmakers would come out yeah. and be like, yeah, no, we were just fucking goofing around. Yeah, exactly. But I think th- therein lies the appeal for me is that this is – I think the 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 appeal for for me of this movie and of this franchise is the legacy um and is the fact that it got made by the right people at the right time and has gone on to inspire so much uh, after the fact like the first one they they just they made that out of a love of horror movies and wanting to make their own and then this felt like them coming back with a more uh, a more fully formed like intent of what they actually wanted to do. This movie knows what it's trying to do. Yeah. The first movie feels like it's a bunch of ideas and like, oh, we're going to have this and this and da, 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 da. And it's going to be really scary. But no, it ended up being kind of funny. Whereas this time they were like, fuck it. We like like the, the Three Stooges stuff it just kept creeping in in the first one. Let's lean into that. Yeah. And let's let's have actual like proper makeup effects and, and monster effects and stuff. Let's, let's have some fun with it. It feels like a, a much more complete uh, attempt at entertainment and then the third one goes on to just be like 
balls out entertainment. Like it's just fun. It's definitely like a movie of its time where you go like, yeah, they could never fucking make this movie today. I was just watching it Mm. and it's just like the stuff they get away with. Yeah. The fact that it's sort of devoid of a real narrative or arc or anything, you're just Mm. like, yeah, the fucking studios would never make this now. It would be like a committee of, you know, 12 script writers constantly rewriting Mm. the thing and stuff, which, yeah, um, yeah, is, is, I can understand that. Yeah. Like it's legacy and like the, the things it went on to inspire and, there's like a, a level for me where it goes a little bit too far and it, and it into its own self-indulgence and like ridiculousness that I it sort of loses me. Sort of that area where you were saying where it stops being a movie as much and just being like this this fun thing that they are making. I feel like watching it, you can get a sense that they had a fucking great time making it and mm-hmm. like they really, really enjoyed it. And I feel mm-hmm. like they're making the movie. They get more enjoyment out of it than me watching it a little bit in certain parts. Right, okay, sure. Um, like overall, I'm fairly positive on the movie. I think I much prefer Army of Darkness, but I much prefer mm-hmm. Evil Dead 2 to the first one. Yeah. Most of my complaints and things that I disliked about the, the first one aren't a problem with this one. Sure. So that's a good thing. And that yeah, concludes cool. the episode. Thanks for, for thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. That sums it up nice and in a neat little package. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm impressed with the the amount of screen time that we can just have a single character with almost no dialogue mm-hmm. experiencing this weird supernatural event and remain entertained while watching yep. it. Yeah, totally. It just gets a little bit. The, there's something about that set that just looks really shitty, like it's the most cheap student film, like three walls <laughs> made out of fucking sheet board. Um, uh-huh. Like, yeah, it just looks like the most like ridiculously overindulgent student film where there's like wow. little elements where like, yeah, like you said, I think they do know, they do have an intent and they are like hitting it for the most part, but some of mm-hmm. the... The, the comedy and the, the gore goes so far that I feel like if any of us made this as a short film when we were in film school, mm-hmm. all of our teachers would be mm-hmm. like, this is too much. Like, what, like you, need to, you need to pull back a bit. Where, what are you trying to do? This is just like fun for the sake of fun. Yeah, of yeah. Like I feel yeah. like that would be the critique from our teachers if we made something like yeah. this. I feel like it. You know what? I feel like it, it, it would. But even in even in uh, in in TAFE, I kind of I had this like, what the fuck's wrong with fun for the sake of fun? Hey, okay? <laughs> like I yeah. I really kind of like felt this impulse to rail against that, and I think that's what I uh, that's like the thing that I love about this movie. Like I was watching it, I was like, the things I like about this movie are kind of irrational. Yeah. Or like, or, or fly in the face of like stuff that we've talked about really liking or really valuing in in other movies on this on this show. I think what I like about this movie, like to, to summarize, the plot starts with uh, a brief kind of summary of the first movie, basically, um, where instead of it being Ash and all his and like his his friends and his girlfriend and his sister um, at the cabin, there was just him and his girlfriend. The they pay, play the tape over the um, over the little tape, yeah, like the, the re- recorder it thing. It retreads the. Uh, events of the first movie so quick. The it's first, like, like it's like minute three. Minutes. You're like boom. Yeah. Okay. 
the the words have been spoken out aloud have and been now spoken. the thing is yeah. alive. His girlfriend's possessed. He knocks her head off with a shovel. Yeah, it's just like they're going uh, through he, the motions of that it. stuff where it's like, oh, yeah, no. It's just to, to establish like, yeah, here's, here's where we're up to, kids. And then like minute seven, it's like, all right, here we are. That's that's how Evil Dead 1 ended and we're off like new, new stuff. I think it would be really funny to watch, to do a fan edit of all of Evil Dead up to the point where it matches up with Evil Dead 2, but then just cut straight to Evil Dead 2 without a credits. Yeah, that <laughs> could a, be kind of cool, a actually. I wonder if that movie, exists. But it would just tonally change just so yeah, obviously. True. <laughs> very, 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 very true. That would be very fun. And like you say, all mm-hmm. the stuff you like about it is irrational, so... <laughs> or, or I, I say, I say, uh, irrational feels feels uh, like a, a poor choice of words. It's it's rational. Like I can, I can explain. Like oh, it's fun or whatever. But I feel like what I said before. It it flies in the face of stuff that we've talked about. Really valuing um, uh, in these other films. I do like the angle. There's a little bit more uh, cornball in the way that instead of it just being this cabin and there's like oh here's the book and we read from it. It's Mm-hmm. They don't own the cabin. It's like archaeologists, and they're like, "We discovered these texts." And the daughter yes. is like returning from another trip abroad with more pages. And I really like, I really dig that that side of it. Yeah, just in that yeah, like that was- Indiana twisted Indiana Jones curse sort of thing is is a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, yeah. This they when approaching this movie, they tried to like establish some more rules and a little bit more logic to the 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 world and to the the universe that they were I guess building. Yeah. And I think that's that's a cool example of like how they were like okay, right, where did this thing come from? All right, well that we can, you know, explain that's that's why that this cabin belonged to these archaeologists and that's why it's in this cabin. It's cool. It's a yeah, it definitely is like more of a mythology. Yeah, yeah, which is which is cool. Um and then goes on to make, you know, the they're able to like lean into that even more with the sequel and more so in, in Ash vs. Evil Dare the series. Um and in like the comics and all the stuff that's that's come after it. I feel like the story like basically once Ash is is flung around the forest, basically being where the last movie ended, he comes to and is possessed uh brief the the cleansing rays of the sun turn back the transformation but he 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 realizes i guess that he's like you know susceptible to being possessed so he heads back to the the cabin he tries to escape finds that the bridge is out so he goes back to the cabin or is chased back to the cabin by the the evil force the evil um, and force then is, is, really is hiding cool. there i like some of the stuff we have talked about before with jokes and jokes in films using all of all of your tools of filmmaking not just Say a joke yes. on film. The sound design, yep. um, mm-hmm. in terms of telling the joke, is so great. Where it's that the evil point of view shot. <laughs> and fucking good camera work when he reverses his car and the and the ominous force is like chasing him. In like mm-hmm. reverse, like following the car, it's, just, it's a really fucking good shot. Yeah, totally. This is the thing. I I feel like the plot goes on. the the uh, The archaeologists were intru- introduced to them. We're introduced to the couple of rednecks that help the archaeologists get to the cabin via a uh, 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 trail. The lady redneck. What's her name? Um, ba- Bobby Joe. Yeah, Bobby Joe. It was so weird because like he's there, like essentially, like you think, oh, maybe he's there to fix the bridge or something. And they're mm-hmm. talking to him, and then suddenly she's leaning on the boot of their car. 
Mm. And it's just like, wait, who the fuck is that? Where did she come from? And like, he doesn't really- I assumed he was. He doesn't acknowledge who she is initially. And then you're like, okay, yeah, I guess yeah. they're, they're together. But yeah, just a really weird. I assume that he's, he's like the lo- he he was the local dude checking on the bridge and and like it's late at night. He had his girlfriend with him. That's 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 how I've yeah yeah. Like no, I didn't even think about it. A hundred percent. That's why I got the vibe as well. But we didn't know his girlfriend was with him. Like she wasn't yeah, there in yeah, the white yeah. shot, and then suddenly yep. she she's yeah, a yeah. Pe- she just appears on the car. But you need more people to kill off, essentially. Yeah, you need some some people, and, and this is the thing the. Uh, they go and they go to the cabin, and then it's just a series of like the, the the horror equivalent of a gag. It's it's like for the rest of the movie, it's just upping the ante in terms of like wacky horror shit and wacky yeah. horror comedy stuff. But it's not done in a, it's it's done in a really rich way. Like I, I think, like you've said, like the sound design and the the camera movement. I think Sam Raimi put real thought into how he was going to shoot each each piece and really kind of play with the medium and wring as much out of it as he could. Yeah. And that's something I think that that Edgar Wright does uh, immensely well, but he also has compelling stories and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, sick burn. That's Take that's that something Ramey. that's something No, 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 no. I I love this movie. Um but that's something I I that's the thing that I get uh, the most out of this movie is it's a, a crash course in like how to approach a, a scene stylistically, like just like differently enough to be entertaining in a new way, yeah. but consistent enough to fit in with the rest of the picture, you yeah. know? Yeah. So one of the, the main part bothers me or sort of like I lost a little bit of interest. Or I just said it just doesn't feel very appealing to me watching it was mm-hmm. um, like I, I love the concept of him getting bitten by his wife on the hand, so the hand gets infected, but not the rest Possessed. of the body. That, that that's a yep. good that's a good gag and a, a cool idea. There's just a little bit too much of like hand grabbing his own head, whacking him into stuff, and like mm-hmm. the sped up and like overly dubbed sound effects nature of it mm-hmm. just sort of wore on me a little bit. Sure, but then like after that, the sequence where he cuts his hand off and then it's like running around, mm-hmm. or like when it actually knocks him out and then it's like sees the, the knife and it's <laughs> and crawling it's, over. It's like dragging him. Yeah. yeah. And it's got the little like. That, that part's great. Yeah. Literally just like puppeteering your own hand like it is a puppet mm. and someone like pushing him mm-hmm. along the floor in time with it. That's great. A little bit, it, it, very Three Stooges, like you said, of like rolling about and flipping around and the hand yeah, whacking yeah. into stuff. Um, it is a good performance by Bruce Campbell. Like it is quite Mm-hmm. convincing when yeah. the hand is like grabbing at stuff or or pulling and pushing at things but it just mm-hmm. sort of i feel like it just it's a little bit too long okay but then like hilariously he's like stabbed himself in the hand and he's like laughing at it like yeah fuck you but he's like also in pain because yeah. he can still feel it <laughs> cutting off the hand yeah. is awesome that it's running around as the spider like and that whole sequence of him shooting in the wall and stuff is great mm-hmm. I, I get a little bit sick of like just gushing gushing of blood for blood's sake like it happens like yeah. multiple times in the movie. Yeah. But that's all all right. And then when he just fully loses it is great. And uh, Where the, he does, the deer uh, the, starts laughing at him. Yes. I and the lamp that. doing the, the lamp little like up doing and down that thing. thing is yep. so funny. Yep. It sort of reminds me of the um the flowers in Hook when they sniff Robin Williams' crutch oh, yes. and then like sneeze on him and yeah. stuff. <laughs> and then, yeah, I really love that shot. That's like the wide angle Dutch tilt 
when he's laughing mm. as well and he's like bopping oh, up he, and like, down. When he turns to the camera and has that manic smile, it's yeah. fucking wonderful. Like there's a reason that that is like you, you can find people with that as their display picture or their cover photo yeah. and shit. Like it's iconic. And that is like kudos to him. That is a fucking like crazy level of like manic acting that most people can't. Like mm. that's like Jim Carrey levels of like not many people can pull that that level of energy off and fucking it mm. works. And then, yeah, but just him just totally. like with the shotgun in his hand. Bobbing up and down. Bobbing up and down. Yeah. And the camera bobs up and down with him. And there's like everything in the yeah. room is like a puppet. Yeah. Bobbing around. Yeah. That's really fun. Um, yeah. And then yeah. like and the other guy, then the other guy show up to the cabin. And I feel like that's just like, I was just getting a bit sick of him by himself doing mm-hmm. those antics. Like I felt like they had exhausted those ideas. And so it was good to have like yeah. other people. Yeah, different different people that can be fighting and getting possessed and doing stuff. Totally, I think it is like you you mentioned earlier, but uh, it is it does bear mentioning that it's the like thirty five minute mark roughly when the other characters show up to the cabin and he's got other people to to interact with and and stuff like that. So the fact that Bruce Campbell manages to keep us entertained thoroughly for a good like half an hour of this film by himself in this cabin is, is really fucking cool. It is. And, it's pretty and amazing. Not just Bruce, but but the way, again, Sam manages to find different ways, for, like, different situations for him to react to and different ways to shoot him reacting that are, are going to be fun. You know, him getting chased around by the force and, and all that stuff. Yeah, even with my complaints, it's like five minutes tops and like is a little bit too much for me, but that's still like, a ridiculous amount of time for one actor in a film to carry the entire thing and it be yeah, entertaining. Yeah, to 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 carry a scene doing something so fucking ludicrous. Like yeah. you know, you you say like, oh, they really throw themselves into that role. The cunt literally grabs himself by the head and flips himself over. Like he throws himself into the role. Yeah, no, I wasn't um, talking figuratively. I was talking literally. No, no, no. <laughs> just just reeling back real quick. They the sequence I never get sick of the the kitchen bit where he's like bashing the plates on his head. I, I love that. The um the hands like him chasing the hand around all that stuff that you mentioned. I love that. But the girlfriend uh, rising up out of her grave, the doing dance. the like dance, and then appearing at the window, yeah. and being like, "You know, dance with me!" and like <laughs> bashing him against the thing, um, and then her head rolling off, and then he wakes up, and yeah. he has that brief moment of like, "Oh, it was all a dream!" And then the head just lands in his lap, yeah. comes alive, and is like, "Hello, lover!" and bites him, and then there's like a two like two oh, minute sequence yes. of him like running around <laughs> the house, bashing the head on things while it's going like. <laughs> That yeah. shit is so fucking funny. I do like that. I much Ridiculous. prefer that to the um, like the slapping the the plates on his own head. Like is is a little too slapstick for you. It was it, a couple of plates was good, and it just keeps going on forever and ever and ever. Yeah, but sure. I just love sure. that. Like, let's have a shitty prop thing that is obviously not yeah. a puppet. Like, it's just you're just holding on to like a fake head and just whacking mm-hmm. it against stuff and pretending that it's biting you is. I do really like that. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of fun. And then, yeah, just the shitty dubbing of on top of that, it's it's very like Monty Python. Yeah, totally. And I think it's uh, the way that it's shot and put together and th- the way that the scene it w- was conceived, it's a comedic thing happening, but they don't take it out of the horror movie context. It's still shot cinematically. It's not shot like a comedy movie. Yeah. There's no like wide like there's no like goofy music or anything. It's played like a horror movie, no. but it's this ridiculous shit happening, and and that that 
And when he goes into it, the tool shed all of, all and puts the, the head in the vice, and, and that's like yeah. totally horrifying because she's like all gross and stuff and then she like turns back yeah. into the normal one to like plead with him. Exactly. And that's actually like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. like, yeah, this is actually like really sad and, and spooky. Yeah. And then yeah. he fucking and like then, chainsaws and then we get her the, head. And that's the thing. Before he chainsaws her head, he's like looks for the chainsaw, pulls it back and there's the chalk outline. Yeah. And he's like chainsaw. And then the fucking headless body comes oh, in. Oh, yes. Wielding the chainsaw. That sequence is so fun. I, I was howling with laughter watching that as a kid. And it's still I, watching it the other day. I, I still was just in fits. It's so fucking funny. But again, it's played like a horror sequence. Yeah, it is. I love the um when he like cuts her head with the chainsaw finally and like the whole room goes red. Yeah, the blood splashing on the light bulb and shit. Yeah, that's really cool. It's like, yeah, yeah. really nice and again, visual. I think it's cool that, that there isn't much depth to this movie in terms of like themes or story or character. There's, yeah, there's no like symbolism but it, and d- metaphors. There is... No, no, but there is depth to how it's put together, how it's made, and it is a. I still think it's a. It's a rich viewing experience. It's goofy. Like if if your sensibilities aren't geared that way, you might not uh, have all that much fun. But if you value like quality entertainment, it's a it's a smorgasbord. Yeah, and the, on on all the the technical aspects of it, it's got that quality where you can go back and rewatch it, and you're getting. New details on the second and third viewing that you're not getting on the first. Mm-hmm. In a lot of those times when people talk about going back to a movie and getting those details, it normally is like plot-wise. You're like, oh, man, I went back and watched The Prestige again. And you're like, oh, I didn't even realize this thing. But yeah, yeah, it's just as valid to go back and watch a movie and be like, oh, shit, like I didn't notice integration with this puppet and this visual effect and this yeah, and that. totally. All seamlessly working Absolutely. and stuff. The um when mm-hmm. his head pops out of the mirror and yells at him, yeah, it's like another guy wearing Bruce Campbell makeup, and he's got big eyebrows. <laughs> it's really it's really weird but, that it's like that's how they do the double. And it's weird because yeah, the yeah. way that it's lit, their silhouettes are really obvious. That it feels like it could almost be green screen because the background mm-hmm. is so the color palette is really different. Yeah, but you're like, no, this isn't a green screen effect. This is literally an actor wearing makeup. Which I think they do a lot more in Army of Darkness of a similar thing where there's multiple actors wearing re-watching, Bruce Campbell makeup. Yeah, rewatching Army of Darkness, there is a, a, a lot more blue screen, green screen stuff. Yeah, because um, it's not instead of the sort of instead of the um the sequence with the hand that's replaced with the miniature ashes. Yeah, that's yeah. A very, and in, very, in the with the miniature ashes, there's like a lot of doubles, a lot yeah. of body doubles. There's a lot of body doubles, but um, there's also a lot of green screen because they're like using. Like they're scaling them down to be small and things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's more when when he splits apart and there's the evil Ash and him. That's where they use a lot more of the green screen, yeah. blue screen stuff. Back to Evil Dead too. So the other the the rednecks and the uh, they were they archaeologists, Ge- yeah. ge- geologists. Oh, they're just like rich something ologists. <laughs> Curious yuppies. Yeah, they're um, just white yuppies. Show up. Uh, and they think that Ash has murdered the the nobies, uh, and so which they chuck him down in the. Fair enough, and which he's is hey, fair enough. He's covered in when, blood. Yeah, when, uh, he's fucking manic at this point, and they chuck him down in the fruit cellar in the cellar, uh, and then they play the rest of the tape, and it's Noby Professor Noby saying that uh, his you know the 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 forces has have, have possessed his wife uh, Henrietta, and. He had to bury her down in the fruit cellar, at which point she fucking pops out of the ground in the fruit cellar 
and is just disgusting and really, terrifying. Really gross. Yeah. It's like, it's funny how I say, I, like, I enjoyed more characters coming in. Like, he did a good job holding the show by himself. Mm-hmm. But from this point, there's like, a, there's a few little, like, weird little niggly sort of like, like, like plot point sort of things that I'm like, oh, this bugs yeah. me. Even though, like, yeah, like we said, it's not a very plot heavy movie. But like, yeah, that's, I really like that the the mum coming out of the fruit cellar is really funny and he, him mm-hmm. screaming to let to let him out and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. she's coming up the and stairs. And then when, yeah, that's fun. And the, the sequence where where uh, she her like head morphs and she uh, when they pull they finally pull Ash out of the cellar, she sticks her head out and they like, um, one of the characters tries to like punch her down. Yeah, and it's this goofy like he's punching the puppet and then it like grabs his face and throws him into a mirror. Yeah, uh, and then they like swing the cellar door shut on its head, stomp on it, and the eyeball flies out. Literally a Three Stooges gag. Yep. Eyeball flies out except it was done with like an olive or something. Yeah, flies out, goes in Baba Joe's mouth. Yeah, she swallows it. That whole or she spits it out. But that oh, whole sequence she? is oh, great. I thought yeah, she swallowed she's it. Like, <clears throat> No. That that makes a lot of sense then. That's probably yeah. my, my bad then. Because I was like, that was really weird that like she swallowed the eyeball, but she didn't get possessed <laughs> by it or anything. I was thinking like that's yeah, how. Yeah, right. Okay. In that case, it goes from being a uh, like a, a plot hole to me being like, this would be a better alternative series of events. Cause right. Okay. So- to like follow that thread of like it, it spreading, yeah, because sort of thing. The next person that gets possessed upstairs is Ed. Yeah, out of nowhere for no reason. It's just mm. oh no, he's yeah. possessed now. When you could have had yeah, either yeah. yeah the eyeball her she could swallow the eyeball and that could make her possessed. Yeah, you know that Ash is already possessed mm. and it's like sucked back in mm. and he's in his human mm. form. But mm-hmm. then he, but then yeah, just like the 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 blonde jock seemingly. For no reason, just, yep, no, nah, he is now. Let's make him levitate yeah, I, and fucking attack people. I, I guess, uh, I mean, that's how it kind of, and and you're going to hate me for saying this, but that's how it works in the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think with them uh, trying to establish, I guess, some rules to this, I guess I always assumed or... I always took one of the rules to be that this evil force that, you know, the wah could be moving around. When we're not seeing it, when we're not seeing its perspective, it's still moving around. It's still doing shit. So it, 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 um, you know, while they were focused on Henrietta back in her human form, it came, you know, fucking in and, and possessed Ed while yeah, they weren't looking. That's fine. That's, that's how I've just kind of but like justified say, it. This movie but you're saying sort of tries to make, to like set rules more. Um, yeah. So. It does seemingly like happen out of nowhere. Like I feel yeah, like, yeah, if we yeah. got a shot of the wah getting him, yeah, or something, that, okay, yeah, totally, in some yeah, way, yeah, yeah that would, would make it make more fine. sense. That it makes sense yeah, then. Yeah, but that that explanation just feels like like your head cannon of like, yeah. This well, is no, no, no. I think because <laughs> later on, it's it's. I think it would have been. I don't know if it would have detracted from the surprise. Like if. Because they do turn around and suddenly Ed's possessed, and that is a good. I think that's a good scare. Yeah, 
maybe that scare would have been less effective if we'd seen it coming into the room. It could have been. And later on, we get the they kind of play up the the thing when they're out looking for for Barber Joe, and the the hillbilly dude's like Barber Joe, and it keeps cutting between him and being like Barber Joe, and you think, oh, it's going to get him, and then Ash is possessed. Yeah, because so it got him. So I feel like uh, like I uh, my my head cannons fucking focused, (laughs) laser focused on this being on this being tight. You know, that's what I'm saying. You have acknowledged in the past that you can think your way into like liking things when they don't work. So that's what that's yeah. what I was poking fun at your head cannon for. But now it, it's all it's all sort of like little niggly things. The other one thing that I yeah. don't enjoy that feels like padding is when they realize, okay, these pages that we've just found that we've brought in mm-hmm. to translate are the pages that can like exercise the evil force. Yeah, and sure. you're like, that's cool. And then the hillbilly guy is like, I'm going to throw these down in the cellar. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because he's like, no, I've got the gun now. We're going to go look for Bobby Joe. I'm going to yeah, throw that does the feel like that character just Yeah, yeah, that's, just that's like, a character just being an idiot to- um, Just to like create another like conflict or tension in the movie. Yeah. I feel like it could have been yeah, done, no. done in a better way. Like you say, yeah, so totally. much of the beginning of the movie is entertaining with just Bruce Campbell because of all of the different ways that they approach every scene with all of the different filmmaking techniques to make it new and interesting every time. Yep. Um, yep. So and this just like kind of happens. They have the imagination. We've seen it from the first half of the movie. They could have thought of yeah. like a cooler, more interesting way that that happens. Yeah, I can I can Again, uh, absolutely. Like, like, she's stuck down that's, there. Like, that's kind of where the movie, uh, like when, when Bobby Joe, like, screams knocks over the lantern and then runs out of the house screaming that's that's where i go like uh this is where it kind of falls falls apart a little, a little bit for me just a little bit for a little for a little while and it picks up it's again it's still like, like yeah yeah just for a little bit cuz um the mother still stuck down in the cellar is really good and like when she the lock the chain it's not just a padlock it's around a chain so it's enough that they can lift the up so you can see yeah. her head poking through and she like pokes yeah. her head through with the original mother not the gross disgusting one and sings the yep. lullaby and you're like that is fucking haunting that is so creepy totally so yeah re- some really cool shit with that so like they could have she could have she could have been like influencing them doing things yeah more, i think manipulating them yeah yeah i i think you you described it uh really perfectly just now by saying that Again, they've displayed creativity, like very, very good creativity earlier on in the piece, and that does feel like lazy by comparison. I think that's why they are little standout moments where I go, oh, this is like a niggle for me because Mm -hmm. the rest of the movie is creative and comes up with all these good scenarios. So it stands out when something's just a little lazy and just a little bit like, "Uh, why did that happen that way? Because that's how we want it to happen. Yeah, sure. For the I movie can, to I can keep going that. the way that we want it to go. Yes, and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah for but sure. You didn't come up with like a, a a better reason for it to happen. Of course, they go out. Ash gets possessed. We have the the fake out with um uh the the woman is like being stalked around the house or uh, trying to stop uh Ash from getting evil Ash from getting in. Uh, assumes that she's found him. Uh, trying to get in through the back door, opens the door and stabs 
who's behind the door and it's it's the redneck guy stabs it with the fucking ritual dagger yep. um and then proceeds to like slam oh, the door on so him funny. multiple times that's really good I like it's a that. good gag and she'll like pull him through a bit more and then she's just like slamming his feet in the door trying to close it before yeah. before evil ash can get in and then she's trying to she like pulls the dagger out of him and is trying to drag him down the hallway and he's like okay oh, she's like shut up yeah. shut up <laughs> <laughs> It's so bizarre. Yeah. That, oh, is, that is a good moment. I like um, Evil Ash's makeup. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, creating those like accentuated cheekbones because it's that, that whole thing with makeup and faces. You can never subtract things you need to, so you can only add. So if you want to make a mm. face look all gaunt with no flesh, like the skin's just wrapped around the bone, you have to build that yeah. out. And it's really, um, it's really expressive makeup. Like you still... Mm. The way that they attached those, um, what look like the rings of his like eye socket to the cheekbone, mm-hmm. they move with his mouth really naturally. So you get this sort of like yeah, self totally. puppeteering. It's really, it's really good. It's very like yeah. goofy looking. Ash already has like quite a big head, like the actor <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Yeah, Bruce Campbell has a big head. Sorry, Bruce. <laughs> oh no, but honey, yeah, no. adding like. The accentuated jaw and eye sockets and everything to it just makes and it look the, like the, the witchy pooch in. Yeah, yeah, the witchy pooch in. It makes it look really like bizarre and like um, the makeup equivalent of Uncanny Valley. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I feel like that's where uh, but that's fine, I mentioned briefly earlier. It's supposed to look. It's not supposed yeah, to look. It's supposed to look distorted and, and demonic and shit. Like it's yeah. and it kind of I touched on earlier the fact that this went on to have comics and stuff it looks kind of comic booky you know yeah it does look cartoony the woman drags the redneck uh across the floor over towards the cellar uh where henrietta pulls him in and just he just bloods he bloods everywhere (laughs) (laughs) which is is again more more blood for the sake of blood but i i really like that like that stuff makes me laugh i think that that blood is good I think if the blood didn't come out of the shotgun holes in the wall earlier, that blood yeah, could yeah. have been even better than what it is because they've already right. sort of you feel like, like they 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 blew their load, so to speak. Yes, they've bl- they blew their blood load. It's uh, eerily close to a, the premise for a Cannibal Corpse song. I come blood. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a fair point actually. Like they do literally tell kind of the same joke again. And it's sort of something that we talked about with the Robocop episode last week, that the action is built up in levels. There are stakes where we get to see an example of like, this is the firepower of this versus the firepower of this. Um, and then we get to see yeah, that firepower yeah. again once he's a robot instead of a human. And the, like that mm. he's invulnerable to that level of damage now, but that other level yeah. of damage that comes later, he's not invulnerable to. So... Just as like yeah, yeah. you need that uh, that level of like stakes where you think that the characters could be harmed or not because if it's if it's an action movie and they just feel like they're invincible yeah. because it's not following the rules of physics or the real world or the rules that the movie makes itself and sets up itself, then um, mm-hmm. audiences like don't care because they're like, oh, nothing can happen to them. They're always going to be fine no matter yeah. what. And so it's a similar thing with the jokes that it's like, yeah, don't you got to you got to build up to things and you don't want to go too big yeah. too soon otherwise you're not going to be able to top that and then if you're just doing the totally. same level of thing again later on mm. then it's like oh we've already seen that yeah well it's a good point too that this comes as the last like kill in the movie really besides mm. the the big bad henrietta uh, at the end but it's the last like human 
kill. Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe it could have benefited from, or would, maybe it would have held a little bit more weight, uh, or, or, or like, a, or had a slightly broader appeal if yeah. it, if it had been just of a established or hinted at earlier on. And then, yeah. Because like uh, we said, the, there's a big blood way. splat when he chainsaws the fiance's head in the vice, but mm-hmm. like a lot of that blood splatter is implied. Yeah, and cut you away see from it flying on the walls and stuff, and cut away from, and then you get the red room, and then you get him coming out covered in it. But we didn't watch him just yep. get showered in it in that scene. So mm. you could have mm. like yeah built up to it to have like yeah. like you said yeah, the final point. kill is like a finale. You want to save the best for yep. last. Um. Yeah. I love that, like you said, the big bad. In the credits, they um they have like a nickname for that big puppet head that comes through the door. Uh, they give it the they give it the peewee. They call it the peewee head. Yeah. <laughs> um, because of uh the way that Large Marge's transformation in Peewee's Big Adventure or whatever it's called uh has like this this claymation like distorted face like transformation sequence, um, and this kind of has a similar vibe. I love. Um, I like it when the nickname on set, what they called it, like gets to be like the Ends actual up in the credits. credited thing. Where it's like, yeah, these yeah. are the guys I that worked the, on this one. Yeah, yeah. Or like the fact that they've got the in the first one and in this one, and I don't know if they've got it in Army of Darkness as well. But uh, people who would play the the possessed, the deadites, uh, when it wasn't the actors or the actresses who were actually playing the characters, um, they, they, they were essentially stand-ins with with heaps of makeup on. They called them fake shemps. <laughs> after the, the three stooges uh and they have that in the credits as well they credit all the like the people who stood in as fake shemps yeah that's cool we get the cool gearing up sequence in the in the in the garage after evil ash turns back to normal ash upon seeing the the necklace which is like it, it works it's functional yeah. it's fine it works it's nice well, we've seen that the like the, the literally just the sunlight can change him back um, yeah so we can we can kind of assume that like a reminder uh, a steadfast reminder, reminder of his humanity would when he was by himself, even though it was goofy and it was, I have to chainsaw my fiance's head in half. He was looking yeah. at that necklace afterwards and like still grieving, even though it's like ridiculous yeah, slapstickness. Yeah. It's whenever he looked at that, it's well signposted. Whenever he looked at that necklace, we did get the, the sad music. Like that was never played as a joke. Yeah, totally. So it's fine that that like that's the thing that brings back his humanity and is able to overcome. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the gearing up scene, like you said, is is real cool. Like yeah, real, yeah. real stylistic. Like you said, some Edgar Wright influences. It reminds me a bit of like all the guns in Hot Fuzz when they're getting geared oh, up. Oh, absolutely! The end and all the like, yeah, 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 whoosh, 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 close ups on yeah, the crash zooms and all that stuff. Yeah, holstering things on their back. The chainsaw in the end of the shotgun off. Yep, groovy. Yeah. It's so cool. And then goes down into the basement, finds the uh, the, the the other pages waiting down in the basement while um to, to face off with Henrietta while the woman's you know reading the the pages. Henrietta comes out from the fucking like yeah, underneath, underneath the, the stairs, stairs and like pulls him down. Yeah. And again, it's like a cool little thing where it's like they could have just played that in a wide or whatever, but they rig a camera to to Bruce Campbell and have him like face first falling down. It's it's really nice. Yeah, it's cool. They they keep finding different ways to to keep it uh, visually interesting. Mm. And then we get the big peewee head bit, which is awesome. uh, the that's that's the yeah, thing I like so when he cool. fucking shoves the chainsaw in its eyeball and like all the blue blood like pours out. Yeah, that's yeah. really fucking awesome because like mm-hmm. we're not just cutting away to like a fire hose with blood. It's it's like built into the puppet to shoot out while yep. the puppet's still yep. being puppeteered and he's still stuck yeah, there yeah. and there's a fucking tree 
hand coming through the window, grabbing him. I really yeah. like it. Yeah. It sort of um, just sort of reminded me a little bit of the Disney Alice in Wonderland when Alice gets too big and she's inside the house and they're like arms and legs are popping out the windows. <laughs> sort of, it's a reverse yeah, totally. of that. There's the hand coming in and grabbing Bruce Campbell from outside. Yeah, totally. I love the that sequence where he he like chops its arms and legs off and there's like arms flying off, but it's this weird like they don't go like there's no arc to the way they fly. They just kind of go <laughs> yeah. across the screen. Um, but it's charming. Uh, it and then is he, he definitely you know, swallow, 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 swallow this, blows its head up. Yeah. Super cool. And and I like that like this is is where they kind of they lent into they gave Ash like he doesn't have a, an arc really he doesn't like uh, he he becomes the hero like that's that's his his arc but it's not yeah. like he doesn't face any like it's, in a, it's not in a, a traditional hero's it's, journey it's it's just no no and they kind of lean into that with the sequels and or with uh, the sequels the, with with Army of Darkness and with uh, Ash versus Evil Dead where it's not the traditional hero's journey he's not the traditional hero he has no he has no business playing hero like he is just a schmuck. Um, um, who who you know knows a few good one-liners, and they, I like that they kind of established that here. Uh, and then we get like the trees attacking the the house, like you said. Yeah, and like stop-motion animation. Yeah, good stuff. Which is cool, and they do they do a really good job of like uh, this was originally the idea for Evil Dead Two was that it would be Army of Darkness, that it was going to be this medieval thing, and it was going to be all big and, and fantastical, but they didn't have the budget for it. So for a movie where they had budget constraints, they they do a lot with. Uh, or they do a lot to show the damage and the scope of of the of this tree attacking the house, like having the walls shake and like the Dutch angles and stuff like that, mm. uh, and like crash zooms and stuff to to show the impact of the the trees hitting the house and stuff is really cool. And like the warping of reality and s- stuff, kind of assuming uh, 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 being implied with like the lens kind of distorting and like stretching and stuff is like. That shot of like the faces of of the people who have been killed in the tree being all like yeah like popping out of it and stuff yeah that's gross is it in the tree or is it in like the side of the face it's I in th- like the side or something yeah, yeah I don't it's, know. it's a really weird yeah because it's it's like a really close up cutaway of those faces so you don't really get yeah, a good yeah, idea I think you, of where I think you're it right. is proportioned on the thing but yeah. yeah it's a really gross cool visual oh, I love that shot it's 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 kind of a, again a throwaway gag that's like this old Looney Tunes kind of logic, but when the face comes through the, the door, there's the shot of Ash being like, ah, and him being so scared his hair turns white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that and is the, really and the, cool. And the flower pot next to him, the yeah, flowers die. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny gag. That is a really good shot. The, uh, the thing opens up a portal, this big blue spirally portal, and it sucks the monster out, and you're like, ah, oh, cool. You know, he survived and then pff, door opens up and is, is sucking everything in through it. Sucks him through and he ends up in the, in the fucking medieval 13th times. century medieval times. Shoots a, a like a weird green screen stop motion flying deadite thing. Yeah. And they're like, oh, hail this guy. And we get the, ah, he was the dude in the book. And he, and he realizes that he's like, bit. no. Yeah, yeah, which is a cool touch. So you said that this was originally they wanted to do Army of Darkness as the sequel. So I'm guessing. Yes. Because I wasn't sure whether just watching it without doing any research, whether this was just sort of like a fun, like um, Back to the Future, the end of Back to the Future 1 where Doc shows up and he's like, no, we've got to go into the future. That was just a gag. That wasn't 
They'd mm-hmm. never planned doing a sequel. That was just like a, a joke stinger to end the movie. So I wasn't sure whether yep. this was also the case. That was just uh, like, oh, what a terrible fate. I'm in the medieval times. I'm that hero prophesized in the book. Yeah, no, I think this was but their- I guess, I'm guessing yeah. now that because they didn't have the budget, it was planned that they were like, okay, this will- It works. If there wasn't a sequel, that would be a good ending still. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But- I think they Obviously, set it up in a way that they set it up in a way that if Evil Dead Two did well, they could go on and make yeah the, the one that they wanted to yeah, do as well. Yeah, and they got to pl- they got to play that gag, see how it landed, and kind of test the waters for whether or not people would be interested in seeing that movie. I guess. Yeah. And lo and behold, they were. And Spoiler it's alert! A fucking sick movie. It's it exists, yeah. and people did enjoy it. So. Spoiler alert! It exists. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nice. They could have called uh, yeah, it Evil yeah. Dead and 3, I- so it didn't confuse me, though. <laughs> but Army of Darkness is a fucking sick, sick title. It is. It's really cool. And I feel like this, the the fact that there was no planned uh, sequel and then they were like, all right, well, let's do this Army of Darkness thing. Oh, we don't have the budget. Well, okay, let's, what do, like, we've got this budget. Um, the, the producers and, and um, the people backing this want us to set a lot of it in the cabin. They want it in the cabin. Okay, well, what can we do? Where did the last movie leave off? All right, and it, 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 so it's, it's a really cool example of, like, problem solving yeah. and doing the best you can possibly do, wringing the most out of the materials and the, I guess, materials, like, physical materials and plot materials that you've got access to. And I think that that's... That is such a cool and important thing um, is that problem solving of this is the budget, this is what we can do with the technology at the time and all those things um, to try and make the best movie they could. I think a good example is something like the original Alien, directed by Ridley Scott, holds Mm -hmm. up really well for a 40-year-old movie and then you see what Mm -hmm. he can make with no constraints whatsoever because he's become this huge popular director, Mm world-renowned, Um, and he can do whatever he wants and he makes Prometheus and Alien Covenant and you go, oh, maybe maybe we shouldn't have let him just like, it's always good to have that constraint to go and like, yeah, sort of have totally. to do another draft and rethink things and go, okay, we can't have that as a spectacle piece. Mm. So what's the best we mm. can do? And working in those tight constraints can really get like the the best sort of result out of it. Similar Absolutely. case with one of my favorite movies of all time, The Fountain. It was originally going to go into production with a, significantly higher budget different actors were cast as the role and everything and then the then it got production problems shut down and he darren aronofsky had to rewrite the script with a significantly sort of smaller Mm -hmm. scope it could be made on a smaller budget and i fucking love everything about that movie and then he released a graphic novel which was the original draft of the script with all of its crazy big scoped big budget stuff and i was like no it's not as good that's that's really cool uh, I think too something that I really uh, appreciate in this movie, I guess, is the fact that it's a little clunky, like story-wise, and that there are like goofy things, like the the dubbing, and like uh, they're, they're, it still has some. While it's a it's it's a big budget sequel compared to its its the original, that still has some like low budget friends making a movie it kind of has hallmarks, like indie um, guerrilla filmmaking, just a bunch yeah. of guys figuring it out themselves. Yeah, and I love that because it watching this movie and watching it as a kid, I guess the thing that I connected with the most was the fact that it felt like something I could participate in. Yeah. It felt like something I could I could contribute to in my own way. I could do this. Um and that's the legacy that the that the first movie has and that this has and and then Arnie Darkness is that thing of like, oh fuck it, what if we had a budget 
yeah. dude. Like yeah. that's that's kind of the end game. But the the first two are just like building on like, all right, we've got this is what we've got access to at the moment. Let's make the best possible thing we can make with that. All right, now we've got a bit more. Let's make the best possible thing we can make with that. All right, now let's make this fucking wacky balls out action adventure horror spooky scary skeleton schlock fest that's a really cool thing i do like that that angle of like when you watch it and you go like this is accessible this is doable like yeah, i understand yeah. this i could make something like this like i think i've had that yep. moment with lots of movies um yeah where you just go like the the first saw was something like that where you go that was such a good idea executed so mm. well on a small budget yep. but it was perfectly written around that small budget of something like that or um yeah absolutely have you seen cube Yes, yeah, Cube's wonderful. Cube is sort of like the the precursor to Saw, like um, very mm. similar sort of thing. Awesome sci-fi horror thriller made on like the tiniest budget and you're just like, that's, oh man, it's so perfect. Um, and yeah, those were some yeah. of those like really early movies watching and getting inspired and going like, oh shit, I could do something like that. Like if I have a really good idea, totally. I could make something like as tight and like cohesive as that on like a small yeah. independent budget. Absolutely. And I think that's 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 a, a cool thing about this movie going back to it. I again having to watch it with the context of recording a podcast about it and a podcast where we've talked so much about story and theme and all that stuff. I had to go, well, what do I really value about this movie? And and I kind of had to go back and go like, oh no, I was just thoroughly entertained by this, like in the moment, and then re-watching it, got excited because there were there was just I guess things that I didn't pick up on consciously at the time. But little uh, indicators that maybe it was something I could participate in. I could make a movie with my friends that entertained someone as much as as I'm being entertained right now. If, uh, but it wasn't just like a because it has the the depth of of how it's shot and how much Sam Raimi rings out of the medium. It's not a, a superficial thing, or it's not like a. It's it's the difference between oh, I could do that and I could do that. Yeah. Yes. Like it's an exciting thing where you go like, oh, well, I'm going to have to learn about fucking ca- like, uh, different angles and, and different ways of shooting things, different fucking lenses and stuff and think about uh, sound design and stuff like that. It's it's uh, it's got a lot of meat on it. That's just that just reminded me of that was a similar thing with me with the alien quadrilogy box set that I got for a birthday that was like 13, 14 Um Mm-hmm. And it sort of was that thing where I was watch, I was rewatching those movies and watching all the special features of how it was made, completely fascinated. And it was kind of before the moment when I had decided, like, oh, I want to make movies. And it was, mm. it's weird that it's like your interest in it and sensibilities to it, you're like drawn to it without even realizing that's like what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah. it seems so clear now. Like I was just thinking mm. about it the other day of like. When did I actually decide that I like wanted to do this? Because we obviously like, yeah, both studied film at uni together. And it's like, yeah, it was weird to go back in time uh, to think of a time when or before you would figure that out. When mm-hmm. now that's, I think, uh, like we both, like that's part of our identity is like filmmakers and things like that. That's Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and do you have like... I think this 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 uh, this ties in, uh, and I'd be curious to hear your your um, story, that similar similar story. But do you have? I have a like a definitive moment of when I went. I want to do this with my life. It was seeing Hot Fuzz in the cinema. I was fourteen. Don't know how I got in. Like they just didn't check IDs. So <laughs> I was in the cinema, and it's the bit where the the pillar, um, the, the, the pillar from the church, crushes the dude's head. Holy and I shit. was so utterly thrilled <laughs> in that moment. I went, I want to do this. I want. And and at the time, I thought it. I I felt like. 
okay, so I want to be a filmmaker. But it was more a case of I just want to entertain someone as much as I'm being entertained right now. Like not long after I saw Evil Dead 2 and it kind of it, 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 that the scene with the, the body coming in with the chainsaw gave me that similar rush. The fact that it has that kind of or for a shorthand kind of descriptor for it, that rock and roll kind of edge to it, that that kind of punk rock uh, messiness to it made it feel like something I could participate in where the where Hot Fuzz is is really kind of perfect. Mm, and yeah. as Edgar Wright's movies kind of like Shaun of the Dead has a little bit of that 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 um lo- lower budget punk rock kind of feel. Yeah. Uh, as these movies have gone on, they've become kind of more and more perfect to the point where Baby Driver I've watched once and went to watch it again somewhat recently and it, it felt alienating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like the level of perfectionism. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I can come back to, to Evil Dead 2 and have that feeling of like, I can do that, but it still has the the depth to it. So what like for you, what's what's like the movie that made you go, fuck, I want to do this show? That's really hard. I don't know if I can give you a definitive was there a moment? answer or a moment. No? It's weird. When I was I've sort of been writing like little fantasy short stories. Since I was like mm-hmm. maybe like five or six years old, I remember like writing mm. for a little uh, like we'd have like creative writing things in school. Yeah, and yeah. I had like a dream one night of like a little fantasy story, and I like woke up and I it was weird. It was like the dream was sort of meta. In the dream, I had written the little story, and then I woke yeah. up and sort of went, "I remember this story," and I wrote it down. Mm. But for some reason even though me doing that all through primary school, that never, like that moment never clicked where I went, oh, I can do this as a thing. Yeah. This is something I want to do. Yeah, sure. With films, it must have been somewhere around that time when I was getting into Alien and stuff and discovering that some of my favourite movies were all directed by James Cameron and I didn't realise at the time. Ah, So I was like, oh, what, the guy that made Aliens also made Terminator and Terminator 2? And it just like blows your mind and, yeah, I think those... Mm-hmm. Those were definitely movies that heavily inspired me and set me down that path. But I don't know if there was like a light bulb moment of like, this is the definitive moment. Yeah, yeah. But I think Hot Fuzz was that light bulb moment where it, it became uh, like something I kind of zeroed in on. But before that, like you, I, I was like writing short stories and stuff like that and would always try to write them with like a funny bent because I liked making people laugh. Yeah. I think, and, and that's funny you say the, the thing about James Cameron, like I guess that being the moment where you kind of went like, oh, there are people with like a specific voice in this that I gravitate to or whatever. Yeah. Um, reading the, the um, the this that's, that's something that I think sets Evil Dead, even the first one, apart from other just kind of schlocky, gore fests of the time was the fact that Sam Raimi has a kind of definitive voice in how he goes about these. There is like, he does think about how he's going to make these scenes engaging and reading um, the evil dead companion. There's a a really lovely passage um, at the end of one of the chapters at the end of uh, the sixth chapter. We're talking about, the reception to the first movie. He mentions, uh, like all horror classics, The Evil Dead succeeds not because of its excesses, not because of its content, but because of the person behind it. It was John Landis' playful personality that turned an American werewolf in London into something special. Joe Dante's love of old movies and awareness of what makes things scary turned Gremlins into an unexpected hit. And it was Sam Raimi, his energy, imagination, and sense of humour that made The Evil Dead into something far more than anyone would have expected from a bunch of college students struggling to make a movie in the wintry hills of Tennessee. That's fucking nice dude chef kiss chef kiss <laughs> yeah that's great and that's that's pretty much all i've got to say about the flick i i i, th- I love it i think it holds up 
as a really strong piece of of entertainment. Yeah. It's not a it's not a beautiful story well told. It doesn't make me, you know, it doesn't make you really think. It just <laughs> no. uh, entertains you utterly and and has depth to it to, in the way that it entertains you, if that makes sense, in the way that it's put together. Yeah, that makes sense. And I say I agree. Like a lot of the really gross moments still hold up as gross, which is mm-hmm. a good sign, like we talk about with horror, that, yeah, when movies get gorier and gorier to the point that people, th- like horror movies from the 70s, like are laugh fests for some people. Or don't even to think that the first Alien people would consider it as a horror film back in the day. But nowadays, most people don't call it a horror film. They would call it mm. a thriller or a suspense film or something like that. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does really hold up. Its style is of that era, but that doesn't mm-hmm. deteriorate from watching it now, I think. Yeah, it doesn't kind of lock it in that time. There's, and there hasn't been something that's come up even though I, pref- I prefer um, Army of Darkness, there hasn't been something that's completely replaced this like later on that does everything better and you can go like, oh, look, you like totally. horror comedy? Here's a modern one, a modern spin that does all of these things more successfully and all this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very unique I mean, you could, snappy shot. You, absolutely. You could, look, uh, you could look at Shaun of the Dead as a movie that does everything this movie does but better. But you would still you would have to talk about this movie in talking about Shaun of the Dead or like talking about where Shaun of the Dead came from. Yeah, it's still something that people will go back to and and will inspire, uh, you know, filmmakers. Yeah, and even though I would agree, like sort of objectively, all of the the, the film techniques and everything in Shaun of the Dead surpass Evil Dead Two. It's a completely different story, and yeah, it's a different sort of take on horror comedy than mm. doing exactly yeah. what evil dead does the yeah yeah no better. you're right you're right so i feel yeah. like yeah pe- the people that love evil dead and gravitate towards that there's always going to be like people that prefer that over something else and that's mm. that's how we have favorite movies and shit because everyone's different totally and they watch shit and they go yeah this is this is good good shit yeah this this speaks, this is to, me, my speaks jam. to me for whatever reason this and, is my jam yeah and i can a hundred percent understand why this speaks to you that's lovely. I'm, I'm very pleased with that. Well, that's about it. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to support us, the best thing you can do for us at this point is just share the podcast around. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rating and reviewing is also incredibly helpful. But that word of mouth, that just passing it along is is super, super cool. Um, we'd love to know what you thought of this week's episode. You can tweet us at Rose Tint Review on Twitter or hit us up on Instagram at Rose Tinted Review. Question of the week for this week. We would describe this film as a perfect snapshot that encapsulates Connor in all of his sensibilities. What is that movie for you? We would love to hear something that everything about the movie just perfectly gels with your sensibilities. Yeah, it's it's something that you feel uh, encapsulates everything you love about movies. Everything everything you value in 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 a movie in a piece of entertainment. Oh yeah, so yeah, is there one for you? Uh, Maybe. Maybe something like Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, okay. A lot, I remember you a lot of that. citing that a lot in, that I in just film like, school, so I would absolutely... Yeah, a lot of Guillermo del Toro stuff. Like the, There's mm. something about the way that he... I'd say he he has such a better knowledge of all of that fantasy and folktale and all, so much stuff, like all of the references that he gives about all of his different inspiration is a bunch of shit I've mm. never heard of mostly. Mm. But those the way that he creates fantasy in his movies and magic 
in his movies mm. is a way that it like it resonates with me really just like mwah, chef kiss yeah that's that's really cool i can totally totally see that next week yeah go what next episode what are we doing i was talking before about thinking back on a time before filmmaking was a part of your identity next week we are doing bioshock and that is another thing that I was just thinking of recently that it is a franchise and specifically the first game is like one of my top all-time favorite video games. And it's crazy. I was thinking about, oh, when did I first play it? And it came out. It's weird to think of a time before that piece of film or game media that you love was part of your identity. That's really cool. When did I, like I existed before my love of Bioshock because Bioshock didn't <laughs> yeah, exist. What did, I, <laughs> what did I like before Bioshock? <laughs> and I love thinking about that sort of stuff where you go, okay, oh, like I played Zelda when I was really little and that's a franchise that I love. And then I got into Resident Evil mm-hmm. and I got into Bioshock and then The Witcher and that's such a big part, books and TV shows and stuff that I love. What's that mm-hmm. next thing going to be that's going to be one of my like all-time favorite franchises that doesn't exist yeah, yet yeah. or that I haven't found yeah. yet? that I'm going to discover yeah. and suddenly it's going to speak to me like holy shit this is this feels like it's written for me that's that's the fucking that's that that's the fucking purple dragon that we're all chasing in in movies as like fans of movies and like I I f- find that draw this parallel with with find, like heavy metal listening to heavy metal and trying to find that next your next favorite band the next band that makes you go fuck the same way that you did as a kid and that you it becomes part of your identity. Like yeah. you take liking this thing as like a, a definitive characteristic of you. Yeah. Exciting. Uh, if you want to follow along at home in the kind of book club way, we, we usually recommend that you, you watch the movie. In this case, it's a what, eight to 10 hour game. So you might not have the time. Maybe watch a review. What if I can see what IGN thought? Or like if you've already played the game before, you just want a little refresher. You can just jump back in, play a little bit, watch some highlights on YouTube, whatever it is. Yeah. But if you're not, if you have, haven't played it we're gonna spoil the fuck out of it so <laughs> yeah basically beware so join us next time when we find out if our hindsight truly is 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses <laughs> <laughs>